Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 podcast. I am Joel A. Erickson. I am joined, as always, by Nate Atkins. Uh, the schedule dropped last night. Nate, how excited were you for the schedule drop? Uh, a little bit, I guess. I mean, it, just for very selfish reasons, stuff that uh, I don't think our listeners care much about. But we're always, since we, you know, plan the trips out and we're deciding kind of where, like where to what time to leave and, and where we're going and what how it aligns in our schedule. It's kind of nice to know that part of it. But uh, I, I I think the whole kind of schedule thing otherwise is a it's a it's a little it's very NFL ish. It's very like make a make a spectacle out of something that, that could be kind of basic. But at the same time, it was fun to the fun part is the videos that come out from the teams that are announcing in different ways. And I feel like every year the Chargers are the winners of the best video announcing the, the schedule. And this year they came very, very close again, but it's hard to beat what the Titans put out. And if you haven't watched that one, just go to their Twitter, look it up. Uh, it is, I watched it about, I think I've watched it about six times a day and probably 12 times yesterday. So it is that good. You know, what's funny about this, and this is a bad thing for us to be doing just, just so that, uh, just so Colts fans are aware that we know that we're making them upset by giving the Titans props for something. Um, but the interesting thing is that that was not the, the, the one that you're talking about where they're asking people on Broadway in Nashville, uh, to guess the logos of the teams that they're playing. Um, just, just as a hint, I won't give you all of them, but with the, the second game of the Titan schedule is the chargers. And when the, when she says lightning McQueen, the videos like it's, it's perfect right there. Like it it's, gets better it's going but, off the rails, but lightning McQueen is so good. Um, anyway, uh, the funny thing is that wasn't their video. That wasn't their main video. They have, they have another video that's like yeah. Broadway themed going into a bar. I was told that by a friend of mine who works for a team, uh, not the Colts was so the Titans won this year and they didn't even, they didn't even win with their main video. Um, that, it makes sense though, because the, all the people in that Titans video are accidentally some of the funniest people I've ever seen in my life. So Sometimes spontaneity is exactly what you need. Um, the other one had like celebs and Nashville personalities and stuff. I don't, I didn't recognize all of them. Um, I, I thought the Colts, the Colts. Okay, so let's. We can, did you watch the Colts one? Yes, of course I did. If Grover Stewart is talking about food, I'm watching. Okay, so a couple things on the Colts one. Uh, I'll watch Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner do anything together. I think it's like a perfect dynamic. It is. Um, like and it's it's very brother brother. It's like they're they're roughly the same age. Uh, they they work in tandem. Like it's not like old head young head or anything like that. It's very brother brother. Um, but I, I thought I thought theirs is good. I I do think the ten minutes is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I, but I think, but I think this, I think if outside, outside of Indianapolis, I think the 10 minutes probably was uh, a bigger problem than those of us in Indianapolis who have a better sense of like the personalities of those two guys, because like, I didn't realize it was 10 minutes until somebody else told me that, um, like, Hey, the team you cover that uh, they, they did a 10 minute video. That's a little bit long. I was like, it was 10 minutes. Didn't feel like 10 minutes, but, but we know the personalities. That's the thing is, if you're a Colts fan, or if you're definitely if you're us, you know those two personalities really well. And like you said, I will absolutely listen to Grover Stewart talk about food forever. 
and 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 watch the things Grover Stewart says. Yeah, it's, last there, year a, I had a I had a one-on-one with Grover that would last about 15 minutes, and it was all about food and some of the traditions he had growing up and uh, the, the different roles people you know took to cook some of these massive Southern feasts and into his wing recipe that you know famously was on a, a hard knocks where he cooks them in the sink and it lasted like 15 minutes and I was like man I, I need another 45 minutes this is not nearly enough for for how much I wanted to go in there with that so uh, I agree with you if it was 10 minutes on almost any other kind of player concept uh, might be a bit much but for me it was fine it was it was right I think on I think I think the thing that I like most about it is that. I think the thing that I like most about the fact is that, like, the Colts video felt like it was for Colts fans. Yeah. And 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 built for Colts fans, whereas some of the other ones are very clearly going for the national recognition. The Chargers one, the anime one, like, I appreciate it, but I don't like... I will say this. If you have a two-minute video and I have to pause it to see your Easter egg 17 times, that's a 15-minute video. Oh, yeah. If that makes I mean, sense. You have to watch there's that one several the, times through. Yeah, there's all this stuff in the background of every shot. And you can just watch. If you can watch it straight through and read all that stuff and see all of it, more power to you. But I couldn't. Um, see, that's why I like that that was two minutes, is that it's not. It was so entertaining that you are fine with playing it over again. And yet, like, you could watch five of those in the span of the Colts video. And... I think in that span, you do pick up on it. It's like a TV show where it's like the more times you watch it, I like a really good TV show, the more times you watch it, the more you pick up on and you're a fan of. So I very much like the Chargers video. Um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, but, but the Titans one just, and the, 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 I had five people send me the Titans one who aren't NFL related people. Like, I mean, not that they don't like watch games or aren't fans or whatever, but, they're not, they don't work in the NFL. I had five people send me that in a text message last night, like, check this out. Um, it's just amazing that their secondary video ended up hitting that well. But it's it's such a simple concept. It's it's so good. Uh, it's just it's just people guessing logos who don't who clearly don't watch the NFL very much. Um, and like everything they say is hilarious. So yeah. um yeah. Now, as far as the Colts' schedule goes, I think the most obvious thing that jumps out at everybody is the Colts are playing at 1 p.m. just about every week. Uh, There's two TBDs on the schedule, so you don't know exactly when they're going to play, but... You don't know exactly when they're going to play, but the, the the they're they're pretty much playing at one o'clock. The only game that's not a one o'clocker is a four four o five game against Carolina, and then the nine thirty game in Europe. And we'll get to the Europe game in a little bit, um, and the Germany game in a little bit. But but this this is a team that's going to be playing in the early window, which is uh, an interesting sort of coda to this long running thing that's been going on with the Colts begging for more primetime games, never getting them, finally getting them last year to the point that they had 
in in the, in the end of November, the beginning of December, they had four consecutive games where they were the only game on TV in their window. There was two Monday night games, a Sunday night game, and uh, a Saturday afternoon game, and they bombed all of them. And the fact that they were 4-12-1, and one, I think more than anything, is why there's absolutely zero primetime games on the schedule. Oh, yeah. I mean, last year, just they, they did not earn the benefit of the doubt on much, but especially the specific games that they were in that for. I mean, you think about there was the... So, <laughs> Not to relive all the pain for for Colts fans, but just like when you have a moment where you're known for you're known to the nation for kind of botching the timeout of an end of a game against the Steelers, uh, the greatest collapse in NFL history against the Vikings, the worst fourth quarter in NFL history against the Cowboys. I mean, this is just how it goes is that they they kind of played their way off primetime or maybe managed their franchise off primetime with some of the organizational decisions that created those events at the late part of the year. But in some ways, like that's it's it's fitting not only for I mean for the teams that should be on prime time, but like this year needs a little bit like like a recourse, you know, like they're out of like the expectation mode of this year has to be something specific as far as contending for a division or a conference or a, a Super Bowl, and that that's just so far beyond kind of what the thought process should be with a rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson who's going to turn twenty one here in like eight days. And so uh, all this season is going to be about is sort of setting up the future seasons. And so, you know, the the one, you know, if, if Anthony Richardson were to like, you know, really hit by maybe by late in the year and he's he's this exciting thing, like a lot of the nation's going to be interested in that. And maybe there's a chance for one of those TBD games gets flexed for that reason. But most likely this is going to be a one o'clock team that is going to be for right now very local interest as far as you know team fans here following Anthony Richardson and the young players and how they develop and it's the hope is that they set themselves up for future seasons where they are a primetime team because that's what happened with you know the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and the Bills and Josh Allen and Eagles now with Jalen Hurts and this is a high bar for quarterback but this is this is the swing they took with Anthony Richardson so it's it's just very fitting that the first year of it, though, it's all 1 p.m. games and not really on the, the nation's radar yet, because that's sort of the natural growth process they set themselves up for. Um, yeah. And one of the other things that's interesting, I think, is that the NFL is moving away from having everybody play on Thursday. Um, because that's that's been the thing before, is that almost everyone played on Thursday previously. And so just about everybody got one primetime game. I always used to end up arguing with people about whether or not that game was actually a primetime game. Oh, I forgot um, about that game last year. That was the other primetime game, the Denver game. The most hysterical game I have ever covered in person. Yes. Uh, that probably uh, didn't help their chances of game more primetime, though. Well, so that, that's, that was another piece of this is, is that there's – so there, it's it's actually not just the Colts, the Texans, Falcons, and Cardinals, I believe, also do not have any primetime window games, um, for basically the same reasons. Um, essentially, the same reasons they were bad last year, and the NFL didn't reward it. So, um, and they didn't. They don't have a. They they have rookie quarterbacks, but they don't have proven quarterbacks. And you're right. I mean, like. I think maybe the biggest thing to show what happens when you have a truly great quarterback 
is the opener this year because I I know the Lions are like the hot team. I don't really like there's still not a draw for me. Like who's the big star on that team? No, is their coach the most recognizable player? Or the coach the most recognizable person? Yeah, I mean the the best argument for that. I think the best argument for that is just people who watch them on hard knocks and fall in love with uh, Dan Campbell and sort of the base foundation of that team is now seeing them theoretically at a moment where they're rising up and can contend for a, a division title. But no, it's it's certainly not as uh, it doesn't jump off the page to all the audiences the way that that this normally goes. My, like last year my was Bills Rams. Was, my thought was what the NFL did there is they said we have Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs playing in the opener, hosting the opener. That game is going to do huge ratings almost no matter who we put up against them. We can take a little bit of a risk and we'll still put up big ratings there and we can save our big Chiefs games for later in the season. That's that's just me looking at it from the outside in, thinking that maybe that's what they did there. Yeah, I could see that. Because there are some games on the NFL schedule. So, like, people always used to ask, how can how come Detroit, when they're so bad every year, can't always have the Thanksgiving game? And the the reason is that that game happening on Thanksgiving, the NFL can afford to go tradition with it because that game will do big ratings no matter who's playing and how good they're good they are. Um, and so the NFL looked at it as a gimme. And I wonder if that I wonder if that plays into the opener a little bit too. It could be, but I, I mean, I, I think the answer is still probably in somewhere in the middle because it's not like they scheduled them against the Texans in a week one. Right. Like it is, it is a team that I've, I'm guessing is the odds-on favorite to win its division. So it's not the sexiest like star-driven team yet, but it's a team on the rise that, that I think people follow a little bit and. Oh, it's just it's interesting to see that team in that spot, and it's different. And so, different is sometimes kind of fun too. You covered them, so I think you probably have a a more what's the right word here. There's there's more of a level of interest for you than I think there is for yeah. a, maybe a national. Yes. There's there's some obvious bias here too. Um, is so so that I think that's I think that probably makes them more interesting to you than the other ones. Not. As far as back to the Colts, the primetime thing, it's I think I think normally I side with fans who are like, why isn't our team getting the games? This time it's hard to defend. Uh, it's really hard to make the case. It just is. Uh, the Colts do have, if Jonathan Taylor is healthy, you know, they have a must-see type player. But they don't really. They just don't move the needle very much in terms of what they did last season, uh, and they didn't add. It's not like the Jets adding Aaron Rodgers, who's a proven rating straw. Um, so just it just kind of makes sense to me what that the NFL didn't. I was not expecting them to get a lot of primetime games, if any. The the one I kept wondering about was, are they really going to do this? Um, what they're saying with the. Uh, with with the uh, the Thursday night game, and once they did that, then I then it kind of made sense. And like I said, there's there's three other teams doing it too, which is a little bit out of the ordinary. Because when my edit when our editor Nat Newell uh, looked this up for me in the hour or so before the 
uh, the schedule was, was released. Um, we found, like, I think the Lions in 2020 didn't have a primetime game. The Browns in 2017. Like, it did happen. But it was just one team per season. Having it be four teams, I think, shows that the NFL has maybe changed the way it schedules a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'll tell you, the players will not be at all disappointed that there's no Thursday night game. That is that is just a brutal That's assignment. A, terrible. Well, on. Gus Bradley, Gus Bradley, too, kind of hinted at that the other day because we were asking him about the Germany game. And he was saying, like, in your head as a coach, you're thinking it's this very complex and you're a uh, very complex thing. You're trying to figure out. um Trying to figure out like all of the all of the details and 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 then it turns out that it's nothing like he said it's nothing like a Thursday game in terms of preparation. There is time to get he said there is time to get all your preparation in, even if that's not what you think initially, which I thought was interesting. I thought that was an interesting um observation from somebody who's coached, I believe, four games in London. I don't know if he's been in one in, in the defensive coordinator, but he's been the head coach for four games in London and has a has a pretty uh, you know, good handle on on what it's gonna what it what it takes to uh, to coach a team in that scenario. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too, and I think just you know, I, I, from the players' perspective too, the main reason that they hate Thursday games is that it's it's just such a quick turnaround on their bodies from Sunday, especially if there's travel thrown in there. Uh, to where like obviously there's a huge it's a it's a long trip to get to London or to, to Frankfurt. Uh, obviously there's, there's some jet lag and playing at nine 30 and all that. But as far as like the, the bodies have time to recover still, it's seven days after their uh, last game against the Panthers. And then, you know, and then of course, after they play that game in Frankfurt, they have the bye week So uh, that, that's kind of the thing too, is that if the Thursday games aligned with a bye week like a bye week coming into a Thursday game, players wouldn't be as like, uh, you know, against it as, as it seems like they are. It's just like th those games where you're just packing so much physical wear and tear in in such a short amount of time. That's where it really just kind of counterproductive to a league that has uh, talked a lot about player safety and, and cracking down on that. The, the Thursday games and adding a, a 17th game to me have been very hypocritical moves. So at least I like this this kind of setup where you know, if you do have an international game, you know, it's seven days before you get there and then there's a bye week after it. That's a much more fair way to do it, I think. Um, uh, some teams have been have been. Recently have been. Uh, asking out of the bye week after the overseas game, which I never really understood why someone would why you do that. Um, I can't remember I now. Which Maybe they're afraid their players will just stay in that country and be fools for two weeks. <laughs> I, I even that sure. though does even that though sort of feels like it would be. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a weird. It's I'm kind just of joking. With the, I'm just joking on that front because I'm pretty sure everyone flies back on the same uh, same right. team plane. Right. Unless your name's Urban Meyer, then you might not. Um. And I'll, you know, and, they, and so it's uh, there. There's been some. I, I haven't covered a team that did that. When I covered the Saints, um, when I covered the Saints, the oddity was that they were over there for a week. And this is maybe where we can talk about the Germany game. 
The interesting thing to me, more so than that, that they're playing in Germany from a football coverage standpoint, is how long exactly do they plan to be over there? Uh, because teams do it different ways. Some teams go for the whole week uh, just to get acclimated and be fully adjusted to the time change. Some teams go on Thursday. Bradley, we asked him again. Um, obviously, he's got the experience of, of having done it before. And he kind of sounded, it's, it sounded to me like he didn't think that going on Thursday was that big of an issue in terms of jet lag. So, um, but he's not making the decision. So I think that's one of the interesting things is, is what are they going to do in that situation? Uh, how long are they going to be overseas is the big question. They are in Charlotte the week, they are in Charlotte the week before that. And when I covered the Saints, the the Saints used that. They had a game in Charlotte before they went to London, and they just took off from one, from Charlotte. They didn't even go back to New Orleans. So I, I, I'm very curious to see what the Colts are going to do uh, on in terms of when they're going to leave. Yeah, that's an interesting idea because the Charlotte game is after the math. That's got to be their furthest better. Yeah, the hot Atlanta, that's probably their furthest road trip other than Germany. And I saw some of the graphics that were out there about the teams that have the, you know, the distance they're going to have to travel. The Colts are, you know, in the bottom 10 in that. And that's even including a trip to Germany. So if they do it that way, they're really, really cutting down on the amount of travel that they'll have this year, which, of course, is good for players. But it is it is kind of interesting to be like the if they were to do it that way, where you just literally finish one game and then don't ever make it back home and just fly out to another country. But this is all new to me, though. I've never, you know, this is the third team I've covered, but it's the first one that has had an international game. So I'm not used to how this works either, and I'm interested to see how it plays out. Um, yeah, it's... it's uh, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. Um, I I think in terms of the actual game, playing the Patriots over there. No, I'm trying to figure out what the. I I, I always feel that it's sort of like. It's sort of like a Thursday game in terms of level of play. I feel like usually when teams play over there, they come out a little weird. Yeah, when they're when they're playing, scoring. yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like there's usually some 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 issue in terms of that. It, but other than that, where it sits in the schedule with the bye week after it, part of another road game. I, I almost looked at it as a benefit because, like. So the Colts are playing. The Colts didn't give up a home game to do this. They're playing what should have what would have been a, a game at Fox in Foxborough, and that means that the Colts' schedule is essentially nine home games, seven road games, and one neutral site game. I, I kind of look at it as wiping off a, a, a true road game from the uh, from the schedule because, uh, yeah, you just you you you're, you're playing neutral site and then. And I think that's better than playing in a place like Foxborough, which uh, I think Colts fans know there's there's a lot of history there. Even for the current team, that was the place that they 
didn't gain any yards last year, and then their coach got fired after it. So there's there's some some bad feelings in in Foxborough that won't be there in Germany, I would think. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely better to play Patriots anywhere but Foxborough. Uh, it'll be a you know, we'll see where those two offenses are at that point in the season because when they met up last year, it obviously that was neither one was in a good place, but the Colts were in a much worse place. Both offenses are kind of trying to rebuild this year, new new play callers, new playbooks, uh, young quarterbacks, all that kind of thing. And, of course, the Colts have kind of a longer way to go, but we'll see where that's middle of the season, so we'll see where Anthony Richardson is by that point. But the interesting thing, too, is that, like, those games are naturally lower scoring, and so that means there's more of an emphasis or more of an importance to special teams and the kicking game. And what I know about the international crowd is that is the part of the game they love the most is because of yeah, their – Yeah, they get bigger <laughs> cheers for punts and kicks than you normally yeah. would. So they're because they're, they're they're obsessed with soccer plays right into that. So it's a good year for the Colts to have handed out the biggest free agent contract. He's like the star that got them an international game. And then that'll also be the rare game where uh, Joel, you might not be in the top like 2000 biggest Rigoberto Sanchez fans in that stadium. <laughs> <laughs> They they might all join in on your your obsession with him being a witch. So uh, that'll be that's, fun. That's a really good point. Uh, shout out to uh, to bringing up the fact that Rigoberto Sanchez is expected back. That's that was an underrated part of last season for me. Was I, I think you probably got sick of me hearing it or sick of me saying it, but I, I was frequently in in the uh, in the press box saying something along the lines of. Um, Matt Hawk, not a witch. <laughs> when the ball didn't yeah. do what it was supposed to, I, I I was I was unhappy about being taken, having the uh, the punt that drops exactly where it's supposed to being taken away from me. I did not like that very much. So maybe I mean we'll see who who gets to go to Germany, but we would both fit in very well with their their uh, obsession with the kick game because last year where I was very unhappy was that the Colts did not add a kicker. And that was sort of my big thing about finding kickers on day three that I wanted them to, I thought they should draft. They never did, never dressed it, <laughs> blew up by week one. And, uh, but now they have a pro bowl kicker. So who knows? Maybe this is like the resurgent year for the kick game for the Colts. And if that's the one thing they're good at, uh, or, or really good at, then maybe, uh, that'll be their showcase game in Frankfurt. Um, also a fun game for Bernard Ryman. Uh, you know, he's yeah, that's going to be a really fun story. And who knows if, if say, Marcel Dabo gets a chance, because the thing about Dabo is they still have an exemption for him. So he'll at least be on the practice squad. You would like to see or I would like to see the Colts in that situation at the very least, like make him the, the, the call up. Yeah, for that game. Because he's 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 German. He's from Germany. Um and it's it's sort of the thing that I don't really associate with NFL teams doing as much. The Pirates just did it in Major League Baseball with Drew Maggi, um, where they they had a temporary uh, they had a temporary spot open for just six or seven days, and they call up this guy from the minors who's played like twelve hundred games in the minor leagues, never actually got a shot in the majors, and it was a great story for a couple of days. Like Dabo playing in Germany would kind of be along those same lines. But Bernard Ryman, barring injury, he's 
he's going to play and he's going to be available. And it was, it was kind of, uh, I felt bad for him the other day a little bit, just that his team, his, his family hasn't gotten to see him play really. He, he said it's been, it's been since the last time he was playing, last time his family saw him play live, he was playing wide receiver for the Vienna Vikings in the Austrian national championship. That is a wild thing to think about that. He's had this, this career goes so long and his family's never really gotten to see him play live. So that, that'll be a fun story that week is just Bernard Ryman, Bernard Ryman's family getting to come see him play. Yeah, it's, it was just fun to see him talk about that opportunity, see the light come back in his face. Cause I remember that's how he was when he got here, you know, he had the, the, the everyone back home was so proud of him and, and always has been for, you know, making this happen on a very untraditional path to American football and playing one of the toughest positions on the field. And then, of course, last year was so hard on everybody, but especially a rookie left tackle who's kind of thrown around. And, and I think an underrated part of, you know, what he went through last year was not having, you know, was being so far from home, not having family at games, not just not quite having that same connection. Of course, he, you know, he talked with them, but it just wasn't the same because he talked about how, you know, sometimes they'd record games because they come on at 3 a.m. And, you know, of course, they'd, they'd be watching late on a game that didn't go the way that anybody hoped for Ryman or the offense or the team. So this is like players this time of year. It's it's always nice to see them reset and, and get a little bit more bounce and everything. And you see a lot with Ryman in part of it's, you know, part of it's this game. Part of it's just flushing last year. Part of it's he's added 15 pounds of muscle, which you know, it was, it was kind of the point of last year, but he got thrown in too early. So I think that it, it's fun that he gets this game, but I think obviously it's going to be a fun story to watch when it arrives because for all we know, he could be in a, a nice place by then. I mean, of course, he could take a step back. It's a very tough spot at left tackle, and the bottom can fall out quickly, but there's a chance that by midseason this year with the gains he's trying to make, you know, uh, in body mass and, and, you know, he's got a new coach and new new blocking scheme. I mean, that might be a game that, that really tells us kind of how far he's come. And to do that in front of his family, is just going to be a fun story. Um, yeah, Ryan's Ry going to be interesting just because if you, if they hit on him, it makes so many, so many, so much better on the line. If, 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 and everyone has said they felt like he played better last year uh, towards the end of it. Even he said that, and he's, he's a perfectionist. That's, that's one of the things with Ryan is that, he really, I would say he probably more than most, uh, he really feels the weight of his of, of mistakes. Um, and he really, really wants to be, he really, really wants to be good. Um, and one thing I just thought about with him, sorry to jump in here, but the fact that it's the Patriots too. When we asked him the other day about kind of the highs and lows of the season, he brought up the Patriots game as one of the lows. And that was the game where, Colts gave up nine sacks the game where they, you know, they fired Frank Reich the next day. And that was the game where he was, uh, Chris Ballard shared the story about when he was walking back to the bus after the game, tears just streaming down his face because that's how he internalizes that stuff. He felt like, uh, you know, he, he let the team down and, and I know offensive linemen feel this way often where anytime you give up sacks, it's, it's much different than other positions that, you know, if you drop a pass or you blow a coverage, it's your mistake can lead to someone getting hurt someone getting hit, it just, it, it really can wear on players. And that was sort of the rock bottom moment for him and really for the Colts. So it'll be interesting to track those two 
storylines and, and where both of them are by the time they get another game against the Patriots in a very different setting, middle of the season, new coaching staff, and, and just kind of see where it goes. Um, what else jumped out at you from the schedule? We kind of hit the highlights so far, but what else kind of jumped out at you from the schedule? Uh, well, I, I was very curious to see where they'd be playing on Christmas Eve, and it is a road game, which, you know, you'd hope for a home game, but that's okay. They're playing, playing the Red Stallions, though, in Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> watch the Titans video if you want to know what I mean by that. I actually mean the Falcons. So, uh, but that, that kind of jumped out. And then really it's the, you know, again, like everything else on this beat, it's wondering when Anthony Richardson's going to play, how early he's going to play, because there's a chance here where he could get matched up two games with C.J. Stroud, including week two. And, you know, there's that's the one uh, four or five window they have is when he goes up. He could go up against Bryce Young and the Panthers in week nine if, if he's playing at that point. And then there's even the possibility, although I think it's not likely, that he could go up against Will Levis. There's two games against the Titans, of course. I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be the starter there this year, but there can always be an injury or something happens. There's at least one of those games, you know, all the way down there December 3rd. So there's a chance that we could very early on get some comparisons uh, just to the draft class this year that we talked so much about and was debated so much about uh, and not that that gives us answers of who is the better pick, but it just it would be fascinating to see kind of where each of those guys is in the progression, just going right up against each other. It, you know, in a season like this that we've talked about, that's going to most likely be rebuilding, most likely be just setting up the future. Kind of these certain uh, storylines that do pop out on a week to week basis, uh, they could be fewer and further between. But I think those those ones, the battles of the rookie quarterback, I think could be really interesting. Um, yeah, the rookie, the rookie quarterback, obviously, I think, I think the toughest stretch in the schedule is sort of that the, the games right around Germany, they're at Charlotte, they have to go to Germany, they get the bye week, and then they get a home game against Tampa. And then they get at Tennessee at Cincinnati and that at Cincinnati, Cincinnati, I think is the way it looks right now. Um, that's that to me is the is the, the toughest part of their schedule. I don't know if Anyone's really expecting the Colts to be contending for the uh, to be contending for the um, the the AFC South title, but if if they're going to surprise, I think what we would know by the end of that that stretch, if they're going to have a shot at anything, or if they're just kind of playing to see where Richardson is and where the rest of the rookies are. Yeah, I think overall the schedule is one of the easier in the NFL. I've seen the different lists people have had about toughest schedules, easiest schedules. It's, Colts are always up there with, with some of the easiest schedules. Part of that's the AFC South, but really it's just not a lot of teams on here you look at and just think like that it's just so hard to level up to that team. Uh, there's two games on here I think are going to be just individually really, really, really hard for specifically where this team is and what the matchups are like. That's at Cincinnati, like you mentioned, and at Jacksonville. Of course, at Jacksonville is always hard for this team. But specific to the matchups, what I'm getting at is those two teams going on the road to face Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow loaded with weapons. And that's that's the area of the Colts that I, I think is uh, we're going to be talking a lot about in training camp is the secondary. It's getting kind of a total facelift. Could be possibly the youngest in the NFL. Uh, 
at least uh, in, in terms of experience. And those are going to be huge, huge tests for where those two those groups are. Uh, that's again, like we talk about, the the Colts passing game is going to have a sort of a building or rebuilding year in a way. I think the Colts pass defense is going to be kind of like that too. Uh, very young, but again, some of these. Like the Bengals one's not until December. So it'll just be interesting to see where they're at by then. But those are the only two games I look at and think, you know, those are just, those are the only two that look really hard to me. Now, I'm not saying the Colts are going to win many of these other games. I, I expect a rebuilding year. But I think there could be a world where on a week-to-week basis going into the game, you feel like they've got a shot against most of these teams because it just isn't as difficult of a schedule as I think we even saw last year. No, it's, I mean, it's the fourth, by a couple of different metrics, I saw, like, some of them, some of them were, um, you know, some of them were the, uh, so, so some of the games that, that they, they had were because of based on previous records, some of them were based on projected record, but either way you look at it, the Colts are supposed to be, Basically, one of the um, one of the teams that's that's at the that that I think fourth easiest is what I saw fourth easiest schedule in the NFL. Um, yep. That obviously that's they could use some some help uh, on that front, but uh, but yeah, it's not it's not a schedule, especially with when you look when you think about it from a quarterback perspective. There's just not a lot there. That makes yeah. you nervous at all. Yeah, I should add the one other game that that should be in that same category. Very hard to see them win is at Baltimore. That one kind of slipped my mind more because I was thinking about the receivers and the, the downfield passing attacks they'll face. But the Ravens kind of are going to have the offense that the Colts are trying to build. You know, that that offense they have with Lamar Jackson, even though it's changing a lot this year, they seem like they're going to try and throw the ball a lot more. So maybe it will be a hard test by them. But that especially when that game is in week three, that's going to be one of the earliest stages of the Colts building a new offense. So, um, so those three stand out as, as those are really hard to win. And, you know, but, but most of these other games, it's, you know, it's, it's either a home game or it's a team that, that feels like they're in their own rebuilding stage too. Um, I'll be, I'll be interested to see, you know, what we're saying about the schedule in in the fall because some a lot of times when the schedule comes out like the stuff that looks hard ends up being easy or the stuff that ends up easy ends up looking easy be, ends up being hard it's hard for me to see this schedule though at this point in the offseason really changing a ton just because of some of the decisions that the teams that they're playing a lot are made at quarterback you know you're looking at the afc south yep. so you've got you know at least two teams other than you who have rookie who have rookie quarterbacks that you're pro- they're probably planning on to be long term. Titans and Tannehill have been kind of I don't know in on a weird in the outs type situation for a little while now. Um, and then you have the NFC South, and you know a lot of people like the Panthers, but that's a rookie quarterback. Uh, the Saints have Derek Carr. I don't know what to think of the Saints. That's a kind of an aging roster. I think that maybe they're going to be like kind of Raiders level. So like maybe they're a borderline playoff team. Maybe they're less than that. And then Tampa Bay and Atlanta starting Desmond Ritter and Tampa Bay is essentially just seeing what they have at their quarterback position. Um, 
And so with with some of those with some of those quarterback situations, I, I think the, the way the schedule changes is if some of these rookies are really good. If the race for rookie of the year next year is quarterback heavy and and there's multiple guys in it beyond and beyond Richardson, then I think maybe the schedule ends up looking harder than it, it should right now. But a lot of these situations, there's just not quarterback situations that make you think a team is going to surprise and be much, much better than you thought they were going to be. Yeah, there's just hard to find many teams that you could see even the best case scenario being a great team. You know, there's teams like like you mentioned, like I could see, you know, teams like the Panthers could be like a 500 team if Bryce Young's really good. Maybe the, you know, maybe the Falcons with the weapons they've put around uh, Desmond Ritter at quarterback. But it's hard to see, like, because of either the youth inexperience or just the plan they have at quarterback, them being like a, a dominant team. The only ones that jump out like that that, we haven't mentioned that that maybe could could take that leap would be I think the Browns and Rams because they have Deshaun Watson they have uh, Matthew Stafford and some some real like A list stars on both of those teams and so maybe if it all comes together those two games are at home at least for the Colts so there's a lot of these games where yeah there's a little fluctuation between I don't know if you know I don't know if the Texans will be you know the worst team in football again or you know, maybe just a subpar team, but it's hard to see many of them taking that leap to be so good that you go into it thinking, I don't know how this team has a chance. Again, there's only, to me, there's two to three of those. And and even within that, you know, I, the Colts always lose in Jacksonville, but you'd like to think a divisional game is never impossible to win, but maybe in Jacksonville it is. But for the most part, it, it it's a pretty manageable schedule to the point where if the Colts, if, if if they surprise us a little bit, if they like, if if this comes together on offense quicker than people imagine, and uh, and maybe the, you know, and, and same thing with the secondary, that the young players are just more ready than we were expecting. You know, they could surprise some of these teams. They could have a, you know, they they could be one of those teams that the other that the other teams are looking at, thinking that's an easy win. And all of a sudden, it's not. Um, one other thing you mentioned the Jaguars. The opener again, as it always seems to be with these Colts, the opener again is is a uh, kind of a weird kind of a weird you know thing. Is the uh, is that the, the the Jags have lost five straight in Indianapolis, Colts have lost is it nine. They they haven't won in nine openers so it's uh, one of those stoppable force movable object type situations where one of those streaks is going to have to end unless they tie again to open the season yeah i mean on paper you would think that the jaguars are going to be the team that end the streak because it's it's week one of everything new for the colts and, and the jaguars we'll see i i'm very high on that team i think they're gonna i think they could run away with the afc south this year um but you never know. I mean, week one can be weird, too. That's the first look. You could argue that that's maybe the advantage of the Colts is that everything's so new here. No one knows entirely what to expect early in the seasons when you can kind of gain that edge and surprise teams before anyone really knows what like an Anthony Richardson offense looks like if that's you know what they decide to do week one. And, and really, that's going to be that whole storyline of that game is are they ready to move to Anthony Richardson yet or not? Or is it is that a Gardner Minshew revenge game against the Jaguars? 
Um, yeah, well, the the week one thing is is you know every year I think there's a couple of games that happen in week one where you, everyone goes, wait, what happened? How how did that happen? Um, it, like I think about the the year that a uh, uh, the a third a team that was going to win 13 games for the Packers got murdered in its opener, like just like last year or two years ago. Yeah. Um, and Saints, so sometimes, right? yeah, Saints. Sometimes, sometimes that stuff happens. I agree with you. Like, I think it's a three-point spread right now, which is, if you factor in three for playing at home, that's six. It's almost a touchdown in terms of the betting point, betting spread. Um, long-time listeners who remember back with uh, me talking to Jim back in the day are, are going to be shocked that I'm using betting spreads. Um, but yeah, it, it, that game looks like it's it's favored to the Jaguars. But you know, it, uh, Jim Irsay really wants to win that opener. He was still talking about it at the owners' meetings. Um, it's it's become a, a a thorn in his side for far too long. And uh, I I don't think I think he's I think he's in a in a mode with Richardson where he's willing to be patient. But if they lose that one again, it's it's going to bug him. Yeah, same goes for the two Titans games. He is sick and tired of losing the Titans to the point where that's that second loss last year was really the start of all the mayhem. So that'll be the kind of the test this year is his his patience level with a lot of this because the way we're talking about it is all sort of like, you know, don't get bogged down on any single result or even the season result because the bigger picture is the quarterback. That's the way Jim Irsay talked to us when we got him after the draft. And so, uh, you know, if he sticks to that, then then – It'll have a certain tone to it, but yeah, it's a, until we get into the season, we, you know, we, we really feel this out. And of course there's this thing too, there's going to be players in this team that are, are not going to think that way. And they can't like they they've got to go for it as much as they can. And I think about a guy like DeForest Buckner who came back to the Colts because, you know, he talked with Chris Ballard and, and they decided they weren't rebuilding or that was the message. They're, they're not here to do just a tear it down, rebuild, you know, but they do have, you know, one of the youngest quarterbacks who's ever going to play in the NFL that's going to play at some point this year. So uh, there's going to be urgency in, in different ways here this year. I We're pumping the brakes just in terms of, like, setting too high of expectations or getting too wrapped up in, you know, the number of primetime games or, uh, you know, or expecting a division title. But at the same time, there's going to be every team has its own stresses and pressures, and this team won't be any different from that. It's a lot different than last year. It needs to be, but you know, there's going to be there. There's going to be plenty of people in the organization, players, coaches, owners, who are not okay with losing. And so it'll be interesting if that's the rebuild. If they are in a rebuild, if they are having a tough season, that's that's going to test some things too. Um, the uh, we'll we'll see what the uh, we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, I think we. The schedule comes out and everyone talks about it. And then you kind of table it for a while because there's rest of the law off season coming up. Um, well, we'll do something. I'll do something with the pod next week, probably. Um, but uh, Nate's going to take some time off here uh, going forward for next week. And then we're going to be back on the Anthony Richardson train. So for the Colts Cover 2 podcast, I'm Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins. Nate, enjoy your time off. Will do.